Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We taught last week on this subject, Don't Believe the Lie. And uh, we're going to continue on this today uh, with Don't Believe the Lie. And we're, we're not only talking about, uh, we're talking about what the lie is, uh, why you shouldn't believe it, and uh, how you how we're supposed to think, Amen. The uh, years ago, years ago, I heard my pastor say something, and uh, Pastor Caldwell asked the Lord something about the church. He said, "Lord, aren't you grieved concerning the situation of the church, the the church in the world?" And the Lord said, "No." He said, "I was grieved in Noah's time." When I saw that man's heart and man's mind was only on sin, he said, uh, but I'm not grieved anymore. And pastor said, why aren't you grieved? And he said, uh, because I have faith in the finished work of my son. And he said, how could I be grieved when I know the outcome? Hallelujah. As, as believers, we know the outcome. Amen. Everything that you're seeing in the world today, it's, the devil's using it as a smokescreen. The, the victory is still ours. We've never lost it. it it's not, it, listen, it's, it's not even waned a little bit. It's not even dipped a little bit. The, when you hear people saying things, and talking about the times, you've got, you've got to first of all judge their spirit. Why are they saying what they're saying? And secondly, you've got to, you, you've got to spend the time to determine what they are saying. Amen. He said, how could I be grieved when I know the outcome? And he said this, the reason you get grieved is you watch too much of the world. Hallelujah. He said, you have to keep your eyes on the word and you can't let anybody sidetrack you. Amen. You can't let anybody sidetrack you. Notice, you watch too much of the world. Amen. And then he said, you have to keep your eye on the word and you can't let anybody sidetrack you. So there's the focus. Keep your eyes on the word and you can't let anybody sidetrack you. Those are both things that I have to do. I have to keep my eye on the word and I can't let anybody sidetrack me. What, what we're seeing in the world, ever what you believe uh, along these lines, what we're seeing in the world is not a political issue. It's not a natural issue. It's a spiritual issue. Our job is keep our eyes on the Word and don't let anybody sidetrack us. Amen. 
As believers, we don't determine what's happening based on what the world is saying. We determine what's happening and what will happen based on what the Word says. Not based on what the world is saying. I I saw something the other day. I I don't watch the news, but I read an article, and and they had this uh, uh, news uh, anchor or commentator, whatever they call him, and a a, a pseudo-preacher. A fake preacher. <laughs> and, 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 and here's what they were saying. They were talking about uh, an issue and they said, uh, they said, well, Jesus never dealt with that. And I thought, here we go again. The world telling the believer what Jesus said. Listen, here, here was the issue. And, and I'm careful with this because I'm, I'm not trying to be political, but hear me. The issue was abortion. And they said, Jesus never taught against abortion. He never mentioned it. And their, 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 their premise was, because he never talked about it, it must be a non-issue. And you know what scripture came to my mind? Was the scripture where Jesus was holding a little child. And he said, if any of you causes this little child to stumble, it is better for you that you had a millstone hanged around your neck and you were thrown in the depths of the sea. Sounds like Jesus cared about children. See, we don't let the world tell us how we're supposed to think. You understand? Hallelujah. If, 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 if you're under the sound of my voice and you believe something's right, it's because you were taught that it was right. Somebody taught you how to think. Now, that doesn't mean that what you're thinking is right, but it means you're thinking that way because that's how you were taught to think. And the the Word says, the, the Bible says, the Lord said, we have to keep your eyes on the Word. Look at John chapter 8 and verse 44. John 8 and verse 44. Let's start in verse 33. I don't want to start off just in verse 44. It says, you're of your father, the devil. I don't, uh, that's, uh, let's soften that a little bit. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you cannot hear my word. You're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. One translation, the Amplified Bible says, when he speaks a falsehood, he speaks what's natural to him. He is a liar himself and the father of lies and of all that is false. One translation says, there does not exist in him truth. Another says, there's not one iota of truth in him. Hallelujah. Now, there's not a believer that you know that will disagree with that. They will say the devil's a liar. And there's no truth in him. But then they'll worry about what he's saying to them. But there's no truth in him. So it doesn't matter what he's saying. Is that right? There is a secular worldview that comes from the devil. And there's a Christian worldview 
That comes from God and His Word. I should say that again. There's a secular worldview that comes from the devil. And there's a Christian worldview that comes from God and His Word. Amen. The lies of the enemy produce a mind-blinding. They obscure the perception. One minister said it this way. He said, lies blind and lies bind. Hallelujah. The more you believe a lie, the darker it gets. Amen. The more you believe a lie, the darker it gets. The easier it becomes for you to be deceived. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 3. Paul said, if our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So notice something. What he had to do is he had to darken the perception. He had to obscure the perception. He said, because if if their eyes aren't darkened, the light of the glorious gospel will shine to them. Amen. So he blinds the minds of unbelievers so they can't discern the truth. And see the light of the gospel. That's why you'll hear people say truth is relative. No, it's not. Truth is truth. Because people say, well, truth is relative. Meaning, well, you know, truth is dependent on the situation. No, it, no, no, truth is truth. Truth is black and white. Truth is yes or no. There's no such thing as, uh, 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 you know, people would talk about situational ethics. There's no such thing as situational ethics. Your ethics are the same no matter what situation you're in. Your morality is the same. You don't lie no matter what you're, you're doing. Right? You tell the truth. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. It says don't lie to each other. Is that right? Yeah, but if I tell them the truth, it's going to hurt them. You can't lie. So you got two options. Tell the truth or say nothing. And saying nothing always don't work. Amen. You come home and your wife says, where you been? You go, uh, I can't say. That's not going to work. You, you got to tell the truth. See, so where did this idea that if I lie, I can soften the blow. If I lie, I can, I can work my way around it. And somehow it'll make it better. Here's the problem. Now, I'm not preaching on lying. I'm talking about mind blinding. But here's the problem with lying. Once you do it, you got to lie again. And once you lie again, you got to lie again. It never ends. I say it never ends. When you could tell the truth and settle it. Truth doesn't always feel good. But it sets free. That's why the scripture says the truth will make you free. Once you tell the truth, it's over. Is that right? 
But you, you, what do you have to do? You have to tell the truth. So what, did the, what does the enemy do? He blinds the minds. Obscures the perception. They can't discern the truth. The light of the gospel. Things that are so clearly abnormal to us as believers. Deviant lifestyles. Abortion, transgender movement, things that are so clearly abnormal. The world is promoting as normal and actually healthy. The reason is the world's blinded by the father of lies. Do you see that? When you hear people say things that make no sense, you're not hearing wrong. It doesn't make sense. But it doesn't make sense because you're thinking right. I didn't say thinking along a denominational pattern. It's thinking in line with the Word. Not thinking Baptist way or Church of God or Assembly of God. It's the Word. It's what does the Word say. See, the devil doesn't want people to open up the Word because when the Word gets opened, the light shows up. And when the light shows up, freedom will be the result. And nobody's got to beat them up, beat them down, beat them around. All they have to do is show them the Word. If you believe this is God's Word, then you must believe what God said in His Word. And if it goes contrary to what you think, then you think how God thinks, and freedom is the result. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? Amen. It's so important because you see something abnormal. Well, that's, that's, not, that's not right. That's, that's not correct. Right? But here's what the world says. Can't help who you love. <laughs> so it's easy to just give myself over to animal lust as long as just let it go unrestrained. You follow me? We, we say that's abnormal. But when you're blind, you can't see what's right or wrong. Hallelujah. And, and I need you to understand something. People can trumpet from the top of the tallest church in town about sin, about not living right, and all these things, until you produce the light, until you give them the gospel and show them what the Word says. See, once you know what the Word says, now I have a choice. But once I know what the Word says, I am no longer guiltless. Because now i got a choice. Is that right? If you're born again in here, one day, wherever it was, 
on the street, at home, in the church, one day you heard a message about Jesus Christ being the only way to God, that he would forgive you and turn your life around. And all you had to do was admit that you were a sinner and receive him as your Lord. Somewhere in your life, you came to that decision. You came to that crossroads where you had to make a decision. And the decision was not just making Jesus the Lord of your life. The decision was, are you going to believe what's true or not? Amen. Do you see that? And what happened? When you made the decision, the lights came on. There are people in the sound of my voice. You still have a hard time believing you lived the way you used to live. Because now you can see. Oh, hallelujah. And I hear some of the testimonies from the people in my church, and I'm like, no. No way. Amen. Oh, yes way. When you're blind, you'll do a lot of things. When you can't see, you'll do a lot of things. Because you're living in the darkness. But when the light of the glorious gospel shines in your life, everything is illuminated. You can see what to do and what not to do. You can see the love of God. You can see the peace of God. You're a, you're a different person. Because I'm seeing I'm seeing. Oh, hallelujah. Do you, do, you, do you see that? That's the answer. The gospel's the answer. Hallelujah. The reason for this is the world's blinded by the father of lies. The reason we can see the truth is because the light of the gospel shine in our lives. Hallelujah. Do, do, you, do you see that? Hallelujah. You know, I've heard people over the years, when Pastor Michelle and I, we were at the National Association of Christian Lawmakers when the report came that Roe v. Wade had been overturned. And, and you know, people were, and, and I'm just going to share something with you. At that meeting, there were 26 chairs represented of Christian lawmakers. That's over half of our lawmakers in America. I beg to differ with people that say it's hopeless. Because I, I, I saw Christian lawmakers, some of them Baptists, some Mesbeterian, they're Mesbeterian, that's Methodist and Presbyterian, but together, <laughs> hallelujah. There were Methodists, there was even one Presbyterian. And, and, and we were praising God and worshiping God together. But here's the thing, here's the thing. Pastor Michelle just posted it on the ministry Facebook. I don't, we don't have one personally. She posted on the ministry Facebook that we were rejoicing. And boy, somebody got on there and just went off. You guys are, you people are ignorant. You need to come out of your tunnel vision and educate yourself. Well, see, immediately right there, I got you located. The enemy is full of pride. And people say, there, there, there are voices in the world that are so mean. Pride always runs you down. You're the uneducated one. You're the ignorant one. You don't know what you're talking about. Come out of your tunnel and see the truth. When they say tunnel vision, they mean admit that there's other options than right and wrong. 
There are no options. If, if, if you pull up to a three-way stop, you're going this way and a road running this way, you got two options, left or right. I mean, you can pull out in the middle. Bad things are coming. Amen. When you, turn, when you go to a light switch, you got two options, on or off. If you leave the light off, you're going to stumble around in the darkness. You got to at some point turn the light on so you can see where you're going. If I'm narrow-minded and I have tunnel vision, just leave me alone. It's good over here. Amen. Look at Ephesians 1. Oh, hallelujah. 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 I'm so glad the light came to me. I'm so glad the light shined in my darkness. Ever, ever what age you were born again, aren't you glad the light shined to you? Somehow, God in His mercy got through to you and showed you the light. And you may have lost everything. You may have lost nothing. You may have been homeless. You may have been living in the nicest house in the city. But at some point, the gospel of Jesus Christ shined in your life and made a difference. And you are where you are today because of the goodness of God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Paul was giving his testimony, and he said, I was injurious. He said, I was a blasphemer. He said, I went and I hailed men and women, and I took them captive into prison. I testified, that, and they were put to death. He said, but I am going to tell you something. At one point, the glorious light of the gospel of God shined in my life, and he said, that's how I was, but I'm now a model of God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness, and what he did for me, he will do for you glory to God hallelujah hallelujah glory to God such a good God oh hallelujah Whew. hallelujah he said such were some of you but we believe from the heart Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? One encounter. One encounter with the gospel has the potential to forever revolutionize your life and change your entire existence. One encounter with the gospel. Only the gospel has that power. Where a man can be sitting in his living room, having lived his entire life for sin and for the enemy and in darkness, but he could be flipping the channels on his TV and encounter a program preaching the gospel, and in 30 seconds, his entire life is changed by the power of God. Only the gospel has that power. Only the gospel has that power. Only the gospel has that power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not blind anymore. Oh, hallelujah. You see, you got to understand, the enemy 
is counting on you staying blind. The enemy is counting on his ability to keep the perception darkened and, the, and, and, and to keep your, your ability to see obscured. He's counting on that. That's the only way he can cause you to keep believing a lie is to keep you blind. And when the light shows up, the, light, the lie starts to fade and the light starts to get brighter and you start seeing there's a better way. There's a different way. There's a way that I can do this differently. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad the Lord saved me. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you, Lord. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, uh, Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Hallelujah. In Ephesians 1 and verse 17, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? There's two things. When you get born again, this is what you become aware of. As long as the enemy can keep a person blind, they have no idea that this is available. This is what he's hiding. This is what he's keeping from them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why the enemy promotes what we believe and what people believe as something that's binding. Amen. Glory to God. Something that we could say this, maybe it's too elementary, no fun. Something that has no excitement. That's how a blind person thinks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If, 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 if you're in here and you're born again, you could probably say that you've done more exciting things, went more places, had more good times, enjoyed your life better since you've known Jesus than you ever did when you were blind. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. When you see the light, you become aware Of the exceeding greatness of his power. Hallelujah. By what? Having our eyes flooded with light. When when that happens, we can see the same way God sees. We can perceive the same way God perceives. Where the light is, no lie can exist. When, When the truth comes, the light comes. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you something. The word, the church... Cannot get mad at the world. And I'm going to tell you why. You wouldn't get mad at a blind person who stumbled and fell. You'd help them up. Our job is keep preaching the truth. Truth by its nature is confrontational. Because when you receive truth, now you've got a choice to make. Is that right? 
It's confrontational. It's not condemning. It's not laying guilt on someone. It's saying this is what the truth says. Now, what do you have? What do you do with the truth? Amen. Hallelujah. Look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 23. Am I helping you this morning? Glory to God. I'm so glad the Lord saved me. I, I, was, I was just worshiping the Lord the other morning out on my back deck. And I was saying, Lord, I'm just so thankful that you saved me. Uh, Lord, I'm just so thankful. I, I, I mean, ev- everywhere your life was. My life may not have been in the shape some of yours was. Your life may have been better off or worse off. But here's the bottom line. Both of us at one point in time in our life, we were without God. We had no hope. We had no Christ in this world. We were going to hell as quick as our next breath. And somehow Jesus showed up and changed our lives. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Matthew 6 and 23. Notice what he says. He says, if your eye is evil, the whole body will be full of darkness. If the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So, for the unbeliever, their light is darkness. Hallelujah. And the only thing they have to go by is darkness. Well, they ought to know better. Well, if you're blind, you can't see. Remember that. The the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Romans... And he said, or do you not know, O vain man, that it is the goodness of God that leads one to repent? That's that's why to the believer, it seems like the world is getting worse and worse. We're of the light, and the more light we become, the darkness, the darker appears, the darker the darkness appears. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But we're not supposed to sit around and go, whoo, dark out there and getting darker. We're not supposed to huddle up in the corner and pray. Even so, come Jesus. Oh, please, Jesus, come get us. We have a job to do. He said he left those gifts and talents and said, occupy until I return. Do business until I return. Do do you hear what I'm saying? The church is never going to be overran by the world. The church is never going to be defeated by the spirit of the world. Because Jesus said not even the very gates of hell could prevail against the church. Oh, hallelujah. We're of the light. Look at 1 Timothy 4. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I'm so glad you're here today. I remember one time we uh, we had a uh, a uh, church. I say church, a meeting place in the uh, inner city, Kansas City, and uh, 
We, we would be down there every uh, Saturday, Thursday evening, Saturday morning. And, and we were down there, and, and, and I was witnessing to some people. And, um, and a guy came up to me and uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, brazen. And he goes, well, I'm an atheist. I said, oh, good. Well, good. All right. And, uh, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I began to talk to him, found out, you know, he was upset, mad at God, however you want to put it. And, uh, and uh, he said, uh, he said uh, well, I, I got mad because, you know, my grandma got sick and I prayed and God didn't heal her. And I said, okay, you know, I mean, I understand that. Uh, uh, I understand what you're saying. Is, and so then he said, uh, he said but you know, uh, I trust that, uh, you know, she's in heaven. I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought you said you were an atheist. Well, I am. I said, atheists don't believe in heaven. Because for there to be a heaven, there's got to be a God. And if there's a God, you know, he got saved. Amen. Now, now, whether he was hardcore atheist or not, the light showed up. The light showed up. You know, if, if you're raising children, now, this, you may think I'm departing, but I'm not. One of the greatest things you can do is listen to them. Listen to them. I, I, don't, I, don't, mean, I don't mean listen to them kind of while you're watching something else. I mean, sit down and listen to them. One of the greatest things you can do. They'll talk to you. Tell you their dreams. Tell you what they want. And you know, if, if in the middle of that conversation, they say something that shocks you, don't lose it. Because they won't talk to you anymore. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm saying this for a reason. When somebody comes to you and they start talking to you about something that makes no sense, if you jump on them and immediately slap them and shut the door, you're the light. I'm not saying don't stand for what's right, but you're the light. You have the light. Glory to God. 1 Timothy 4, verse... Uh, one, now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, would you agree we're in the latter times? Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Oh, hallelujah. Notice why some will depart from the faith. It'll be because of where they give their attention. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Remember, keep your eyes on the word and don't let anybody sidetrack you. Hallelujah. And what's the result of this? He said their conscience is seared. The word is cauterized. Their conscience is seared. One lady came to a pastor in our fellowship and made this statement. They said, well... I think it's better that these babies get aborted and go to heaven than to live here in a world where no one wants them. Amen. 
Well, what is that? A seared conscience. It's somehow trying to make something that's reprehensible okay. Well, they are in heaven. (laughs) They are in heaven. But that don't make it right. That doesn't make it correct. Because the lie, see, don't believe the lie. The lie that people will say is that abortion keeps unwanted children from being a burden. But the reality of it is this. Is the number of unwanted children today is higher than it's ever been. And over the last 50 years, we've had complete full access to abortion on demand. And the numbers have not went down. See how that's a lie? It's a lie. Don't believe it. I'm not against the person getting an abortion. I'm not against the abortion doctor. I'm against the lie that keeps them blind. Because if they could see the truth, they wouldn't do that. Am I helping you? Let let, let me just say this. I feel the Holy Spirit has me here for a, a, a reason. See, another lie is, well, they don't care about women. Well, what does that mean? That I don't care about women. Well, you know, uh, 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 you know, it, a ban on abortion costs women their lives. How? In every heartbeat bill, trigger law, there is a provision for the life of the mother. Every one of them. Don't take my word for it. Google's your friend. Google it. Every one of them. I'm not going to tell you something that's not there. Every one of them. If the life of the mother is at stake, the life of the child is forfeit. It's, it's there. It's a law. Abortion on demand is simply convenience. Convenience at the sake for, uh, at the cost of life. And you never substitute life for convenience. See, that's blind. I said that's blind. Hallelujah. I was talking about this with a person one time. And they said they had a friend that had an abortion. Now, before you think, well, Pastor, how can you talk about this? I can talk about this because my wife had an abortion. This is something that's in my playground. You hear what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dealing with people that I've never met. I've walked through this with my wife. I've walked th- her through this. Her book, The Guilt, The Shame, and The Blood, deals with this. And they said that she, this person said she took this person to the abortion clinic and that they were going through with this because it just wasn't a convenient time to have a child. I have medical school. I have these different things going on. How do I explain that? 
How, how, how can I look at the child that I carried to term and talk about how much I love you and I care for you, and yet your little brother or sister, we don't know what it was. We terminated its life because it wasn't convenient. How do I know you won't give me up if it's not convenient? Now, that sounds very direct, but that's the lie. That's the lie. And if you believe the lie, you'll get yourself into something that's full of guilt and shame and condemnation and pain that the enemy can hold over you. Said, don't believe the lie. Oh, hallelujah. That's how the world thinks. Well, is there any hope? Let's go to Acts 26. Am I helping you? you? You've got to understand, the church is not called to make our case. The church is called to give hope. I'm an OG hope dealer. <laughs> Amen. I've been doing it a while. I, I, was, I was teaching in the jail one time, and a guy stood up mad at me. Mad. And stopped the class. And I knew him. He was a pastor that had got off into sin. And, uh, and had uh, 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 embezzled money from his ministry. <laughs> so I knew him. That crook. I'm nice about that. Nonetheless, he stood up and, and stopped the class. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, all you're doing is getting these guys' hopes up. Telling them God wants to bless them and take care of them and turn their lives around. You're just getting their hopes up. And very calmly, I said, brother, what would you have me to do? Go around getting their hopes down? The Bible says it's the hope of the gospel. It said, before I was born again, I had no hope. Well, if I had no hope before I was born again, now what do I have? Hope. Amen. So I'm a hope dealer. <laughs> Acts 26, verse 14. When we were all falling the earth, I heard a voice speak to me saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks or the goads or the, or the sharp sticks. And I said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. Rise, stand on your feet. I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness of these things which you've seen and those things in which I will appear to you delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send you, notice, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by the faith that is in me. Notice, to open their eyes. To open their eyes. To turn them from darkness to light. Turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God. There's two things to understand here. Number one, how this happens, the gospel. Number two, how easy it is. It's not hard to break the devil's power. All you got to do is believe the, the gospel. Amen. Do you see this? All these things would occur... Through Paul's preaching 
and teaching of the word. That's the answer. That's the answer. We have to spend more time on the answer and less time on the problem. Amen. It, it, listen, it doesn't matter what percentage. I heard a person, and, and, and very well-meaning and, and authentic, but they were talking about the number, the percentages of people that did not believe in God anymore. It doesn't matter what the percentages are. The gospel's still the answer, regardless of the percentages. Only 64% believe that the Bible's the Word of God anymore. And what do you believe? It's not what the 64% believe, it's what do you believe. Now, how are we going to change that? You, you can't change that by telling them how wrong they are for not believing. You got to give them an answer. You understand? You know, I mentioned my wife earlier. And, and y'all know her to her testimony. She's preaching this morning in the Kansas location. When, when she got born again, you talk about straight out off the street. Straight off. And, and I don't mean just, I mean walking the street. I mean turning tricks. I mean prostituting herself to get her next line of cocaine. You understand what I'm saying? And... An old guy named Zach Reynolds had a beard down to here, used to be a rock and roll singer, and he had a 55 Bel Air that he'd, that he'd redone. And him and his wife, Dara, they would drive down Dickerson Road in, uh, in Old Hickory, Tennessee, and Nashville, and, and Witness, and, and, and they, they, <laughs> they drove. He first met her, is this okay? He first met her when her first husband who died was in the intensive care in uh, uh in nashville and uh he had uh mistakenly uh took an overdose of morphine he had a morphine patch he was going to prison the next day and a buddy of his had given him a morphine patch so he wouldn't have all the issues of the intake process well, in the middle of the night, that patch malfunctioned and released all that morphine into his system. Well, morphine, being an, an opiate, of course, it immediately attacked his breathing system, and he died. Now, now think about this. Here is this young lady that doesn't know God, and she's standing in the intensive care with her husband, whose brain is swelling out his temples. He's dead. He's been dead. She has to make this decision. So she goes and she talks to family members who are all in the dark. And she's got to make the decision. They all left. She stands there having been told what to do by this man since she was 16 years of age, broke him out of jail when, he was six, when she was 16. And she looks at his dead body. And she says, tell me what to do. 
Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. No hope. <laughs> and in the door comes a guy holding a big Dake Bible. Zach Reynolds with a beard down to here, biker vest on, probably smelled like a cigar. Came walking in and said, here's how he talked. I'm from the Assembly of God Church. Wanna know if I can pray with y'all. She don't know anything about the word. Here's this preacher asking me, can he pray with me? And she said yes, and he prayed. Of course, her husband was gone. But then he said, uh, well, what about you? Are you born again? I, I don't want to hear all that. And he kept working. He said, he said, come down to the chapel and let's talk. So they went down to the chapel. <laughs> and he kept pressing. And finally, she said the prayer with him just to get him out of her hair. Now, you do whatever you want to do with this. She had her kit with her in her shoe. She called her friend, and they brought her cocaine to the hospital. She got it. She went in the bathroom to shoot up her dope. And when she did, nothing happened. And she called the man mad. So what'd you do? You, you tricked me. You lied to me. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, that's the best stuff I've ever had. The Lord told her something years after that. He said, when you prayed in the chapel, you made a covenant with me. Whew. The light started coming on. That couple took her into their home, put her on the couch. She said, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and one of them would be praying over me, just praying in tongues, just praying for me. And then I'd wake up in the morning and the other one would be there praying over me. And they took her to, to a, a revival. I don't know if y'all know what revival is. Took her to a revival. And, and the first night of the revival, she was, she was so high on methadone that she slept through the church service. The, the, the minister's wife asked her in the back room, if she wanted to uh, help, and Michelle cussed her out. Pastor Michelle. Pastor. You say, how do you know this so well? That was my mama that she cussed out. <laughs> Amen. The next night, my father was preaching. My dad went to heaven a couple years ago. He was preaching, and she was sitting on the outside row, about where Chris is. In the end seat, nodding off. And she walked up, he walked up to her. And he said, young lady, do you want help? For a split second, she was in her right mind. She said, yes, I want help. I want help. She had asked Jesus into her heart two weeks before. But the flesh is trying to hang on. The darkness is trying to stay. But he said, do you want help? She said, yes, I want help. She stood up. He laid hands on her. Rebuked that spirit behind that mind blinding and that addiction. And when she got up, she thought he had pushed her down, but she was free. 
She told me, she said, Philip, for the first time in my life, I could think straight. I could see that life could be better. Amen. I'm like Paul. I'm not telling you something that I heard. I'm not telling you something that somebody else said. I'm telling you something that I've experienced in my own life. When the gospel shows up, the light shows up. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But here's what I was saying. I'm so grateful for that church. Because nobody questioned where you came from. If, if, if you were still toddling around and making mistakes. Amen. They kept showing the light. They kept showing the light. Hallelujah. Do, do you see this? I tell, I tell people all the time. I had a young man. Lord, the Lord has me here for a reason. I, I had a young man one time that got born again. Uh, years ago, 20, 24 years ago, he got born again on an Easter Sunday morning. And uh, uh, when, when he came and, and got born again, he just, he looked lost. And, and I remember he had, uh, uh, you know, he had, uh, he had uh, piercings everywhere you could be pierced. And probably places I didn't know about. But uh, I remember he got saved. Boy, he got on fire for God. And I had uh, a deacon come to me. And he said, tell you what, I'm going to talk to him about that long hair and them piercings. People said, what would you say? I turned on him. I said, you're not going to say anything. The gospel will fix it. I just, he just kept coming under the word. One day, one day he came in, in the church on a Wednesday evening. He came in the church. Boy, I had a haircut high and tight. It looked like he was going to the core. Had a, had a bag. Now, now I got to be careful here because I know I'm, I'm walking a line. So I, I, I want you to see what I'm saying. Ever what you believe about piercings on a man. I'm not going to put anybody in hell because of it. But here's, here's what I'm trying to say. Ever what you believe about that, I'm not saying it was a, a horrible sin or not a sin. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he kept sitting under the gospel and he brought a bag with all of his piercings and said, I won't be needing these anymore either. I never preached on where you were pierced or not pierced. That's not my job. My job's to give you the gospel. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. And, 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 and you know, and you know, there were people that didn't think my wife would make it. A pastor's wife said, that girl's got devil trouble. Guess so. My question always was, why didn't you give her the light? If you knew it was the devil, why didn't you give her the light? Nobody in our churches will ever be ostracized or put down or turned away or made to feel like something's wrong just because they can't see. 
whether you know you're blind or not. Let me finish with this. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm glad the Lord saved me. I'm glad he saved you. Why don't you tell your neighbor, I'm glad the Lord saved you. Hallelujah. Every day. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And notice what he says here. I'll, I'll, I'll hurry here. Verse 23. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing they gender strives. That's always been important to me because I won't argue with people. I've had, I've had people come up and say, well, I don't believe what you said. I said, okay. Now, but you've got to prove to them. You've got to make them believe. You can't make anybody believe something. They're either going to believe it or they're not. One translation says, excuse yourself from any conversations that turn into foolish and uninformed debates because you know they produce fights. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing they gender strife. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach patience, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God perhaps will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive of him at his will. So notice something. Through the preaching and teaching of the word, people will wake up. The word recover means to wake up, that they may wake up. And when they wake up, what happens? They can escape the trap of the devil. And then they can start doing the will of God. When they wake up. Hallelujah. Isn't that tremendous? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, through the teaching and preaching of the word. You know, there, there are people that the enemy can just catch them whenever he wants. And he does that according to scripture so that they're not doing the will of God. You know, the Bible says, it's not God's will that any should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of eternal life. The uh, scripture says in the book of Romans that for a good man that people would consider giving their lives and think about helping him. But he says, God proved his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, he sent Jesus to die for us. One translation says, when I was absolutely no use to him whatsoever, he sent Jesus to die for me. And, that, and the Bible says that's how he proved his love. It's not enough to just be a church that preaches truth. We got to be a church that exhibits truth. We've got to be a church that loves. We've got to be a church that disciples. We've got to be a church that helps people grow. 
We've got to be a church that understands that when people come, they're not always going to think right. And we've got to help them think right. And, and not think according to what I think, but think according to what the Word of God says. Hallelujah. Do you see this? That's what makes us a spiritual production center. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads with me?